0: trajectory of your own life and I mean just leaped off your own trait fate and I found myself in Washington DC and I had an amazing job I was doing something for the Department of Defense I had my own communications team I had a six-figure salary something we don't see a lot around here in Portland and I had a sweet young lover And I noticed myself doing a really telling thing. I started reading prison literature. (laughs) And reading prison literature, or even imagining prison, for me is like self-putting. It is literally my worst fear. And all of a sudden, I was in like a weekend marathon of Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile. So I knew something was wrong, I felt I felt trapped in my own life. And my family has a motto that if it doesn't kill you, it makes for a great story.
1: And I was
0: starting to get a little bit worried that my 30-something DC lifestyle would stop me from going for the story first and the adventure. So I knew that something had to change. And I decided that I would do something I've done many times before. I have skipped out and put everything in storage, and I've lived in Bali, and I've lived in Brussels, and Amsterdam, but this time was different because I was one mortgage payment away, one sensible relationship from giving it all up. So I decided, (laughs) (laughs) giving it all up, and staying to commute, to work every day, so I decided to give myself my own pink slip and slip on across the border to Queretaro, Mexico, where I volunteered for the Peace Corps. And that is when I met her. I was sitting down and I was having a beer at this cafe and I hear this screeching of tires. And I look over and there's this little red sheep, and it's tilting on two wheels coming around the corner. And it parks half in the median, half on the street. And this is Mexico, so, you know, traffic laws are a little bit different <laughs> and out leaps this really petite woman. She was maybe like four feet, 10 inches, but she had this weight and energy about her that was swirling like a tornado and she seemed like she was more like 10 feet, six inches. She hops over and sits down beside me, orders a beer without introduction, and I knew that I had met the Mexican Thelma to my movies. <laughs> <laughs> and this was great to have a doctor as a really good friend, especially when I noticed at one point that I had this like little bump on my stomach. And it was it was small, it was somewhere between maybe an insect bite or like a clogged pore. So I go to Dr. Maria's office and I'm like, you know, I have something here. Can you take a look? She's like, no problem. We will take it out. One, two, three, and we'll be done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, great. So I sit down in the exam chair and and she's poking and probing around. And she realizes it's a little bit deeper than I had thought it was. So we were just going to use a needle and and numb it a little bit. But you will not even feel any pain, not even So, I lay there and and her office is really, really hot. There's no AC. And she pours on the iodine and it feels so nice and cool against my body. And I'm relaxed and she goes to cut and holy fuck. Oh my god. (laughs) It is not a cut. It is like being shanked in the stomach with a knife. And she's like, no movimiento, you're going to move and all the blood will spill on your head. Oh my God, so I'm just praying and I'm trying to hold still and my blood is feeling like it's boiling in my body. And she's like, oh, oh no, those tendrils. And uh, we're going to have to go un poquito mas profundo. We're gonna go deeper. And at this point, I'm white as a sheet. And so she's digging in there and I just realized that this is not a doctor's heart. And Dr. Maria, she is not a physician. She is a priestess in a white lab coat. And I am like laid out on some Mayan temple and I'm gonna be like sacrificed with this obsidian knife to like some serpent god i just thinking, you know, little serpent god, you had better drink fast of my blood because it's getting all soaked up in my underwear. So she, she pulls it out finally after all of this, and she says, "Do you want to see it?" Now this is a thing with tendrils, all right? Of course I want to see it. And so I'm, I'm laying there and I'm just like sopping in sweat. And she holds it up over my head so I can see it, and I'm telling you, to be honest, it looked like a white octopus dipped in red and it's dangling over my forehead and true story because that's the only time told here at one drop of red splashes on my forehead and she says we're going to have to send it to the lab to make sure that it's not cancerous and it's not a tumor cancer and this is the seed word okay well i had never expected something like that and to make sure that i knew the seriousness of this situation all of my stitches get infected and now now i am not only bed bound but i am stuck in my own body and now i know what true imprisonment really feels like and i i'm thinking to myself you know it's funny because i'm not afraid of much I'm not afraid to swim in the ocean. I wanna swim with sharks because I'm not gonna be eaten by a shark. And I have no fear of flying because I'm not gonna crash. That's just not gonna happen. Or be struck by lightning because all of these things most likely will not happen, not to me. But this, this was real. This is what mortality actually feels like. It feels like your own cells have gone rogue in your body. And Asking myself the big questions, right? Like, how do you measure the life of a woman? When I am standing up against the doorframe of my own life and I have my little pencil out and I'm marking off my growth spurts against the doorframe, where do I mark? You know, is it motherhood? Well, I opted out of that. I don't have kids. So, okay, it's not that one. Is it my career accomplishments? Well, at the height of all those DC power plays, I decided to cross the border because I didn't want the glass shards in my hair, so it wasn't that (laughs) one. Well, was it romantic love, being that really special someone to the other side? And in that, too, I've come to the table and left before the main course because it is kind of hard to love a tumbleweed spirit, and it's really hard to hold on to one. So what did I have to show for all of this freedom? I had this tender old monster playing 20,000 leagues under the sea with my innards. And I was like, okay. So I'm there, and it's a full week before I get back the bristles. And this is the longest week of my life. And finally I hear back, and the little mini squid is benign. And so I had fortunately sidestepped the teamwork. But I couldn't escape my own fate. You know, is that mortality was going to come knocking on my door. Rat-a-tap-tap-tap-tap. And I knew where I wanted to be when that happened. And so I came back to the United States and I decided that I was gonna really reinvest in the things that mattered the most to me. I was going to reinvest in my friends, many of which are sitting right out there in the audience, my family, my writing, myself, because we really do kind of come together, right? We glomp onto one another, we accumulate, we amass in these things called community because it's the people that love you that will remember you. And that's true immortality. So whenever I have this like itchy feet syndrome and I want to go off and, and melt yaks in, in Mongolia or whatever I want to do, I kind of rub my little scar a little bit. It's, it's my lucky penny. And it reminds me that it's the people I love that help root me and hold me to home so I don't go rolling off a tumbleweed spirit lost and alone. So I'm really happy to be home here in Portland for now.